you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of do a little something different today. I'm going to share, share a little bit what the Lord's laid in my heart, but it just kind of lines up. Sometimes what happens is I'll share with my wife where the Lord's taking me, and she'll add to it. And so then I steal from her and share it during my message as if it's, is that called plagiarizing? Are you allowed to really plagiarize that? Really plagiarizing if it's your spouse? Come on. No. She's going to share a little bit about their experience with the middle school ministry last week. Unfortunately, a lot of the middle schoolers are not even able to be here today, but she just wanted to share, and it kind of tied in. So she's going, I'm going to have her come up in just a few moments just to kind of expound on some of what I'm sharing uh, and share with you what, uh, what happened uh, last weekend uh, or the last four days last week with uh, the middle school ministry going on the missions work up in New York. So looking forward to hearing that. So I'd ask you if you could just to turn to your Bibles today, uh, Luke chapter 10, and we are going to touch on continuing to move and being a disciple in discipleship. That's just where we are. And how many people really do we have in the house? It should be the same as if I said, how many people really, really, really are children of God and have Christ Jesus as their life? Yeah, so, okay, you are a disciple. And one thing that I want you to understand as a disciple is this, okay? Being a full-fledged, 100% disciple is this. I am committed to, con- to being discipled every day of my life, have people share with me and invest in me, right? But I'm also committed to investing in them and ministering to them as well and discipling them as well. A disciple is not someone who has attained it and therefore giving it to somebody else. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who is ever-growing as others pour into them but are also pouring into others and walking with others as well. Does everyone understand that? That is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue looking at this for a moment. But the Lord, and it's someone's somewhat springing off of this, uh, this week at conference a little bit, just some of the things. Uh, one of the words that, that, that came to mind is, I do see things moving forward, and I do, I do believe that the Lord is not done in any way, shape, or form. One word that stuck out to me was this, the word distracted. Say church. I feel like as a church, and I'm not just going to say church of the brethren, I feel like as a church worldwide, we're an easily distracted bunch, aren't we? Well, but that's the world, you know, but we're not supposed to be of the world. Oh, but come on. And I, I remember a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, I challenged everyone by saying, is it possible, biblically, to live without being offended? And some of you were like, no way, we're human. But what's the Word say? Love does not easily offend or be offended. And many times when we settle into the fact that oh, I'm human, so I'm just going to Christ- live my Christian life off of that foundation, guess what? You're not living to the fullest then. Your humanness died. Y'all are a sleepy bunch. For I am crucified with, therefore I no longer but Jesus, your flesh is dead. No more CPR. 
flesh an excuse? Oh, on your flesh. But isn't it interesting how we always give our flesh an excuse? Oh, but I'm human. Don't give your flesh an excuse. He'll take it and run with it. So distracted, we are a distracted bunch so often times. And the Lord led me heavily to a story that is constantly looked at, constantly torn apart. There's all sorts of, uh, of debates on what it means and this, that, and the other. So I'm just going to tell you what we're going to read. It's Mary and Martha. Anybody like the story of Mary and Martha? Anybody get very annoyed by some of the interpretations of Mary and Martha? <laughs> but that's okay. Let's look at it just for a few moments. Starting uh, chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. Martha, obviously, is there very receptive of who Jesus is, most likely believing that He is who He says He is. And in a spirit of hospitality and probably maybe even a gifting of hospitality. How many know that there's a gifting of hospitality? And a gifting of hospitality, what does she do? She opens her home to Jesus and His disciples and probably all the entourage that was with them. Who knows how many people walked through that door? Who here would, would be shaken if 100 people walked through your front door for dinner? you know? So, in, in, in they walk. Now, Jewish custom back then was this. The men gathered and conversed, and the women what? They cooked and worked and served. So, Martha, settling in on what, you know, what was, in a sense, she'd been raised up in, expected of, but really wanting to serve she opens up her home and says, come on in, guys. Come on in. Now, she had a sister called Mary. Mary, by Jewish custom, should have been where? Right with her in the kitchen. She had, quite honestly, no business in the formal setting being in that room with those men. She had no business being in there at all. But Martha, listening to what he said, but Martha was, what's that word? Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, she must have had some kind of relationship with Jesus she came to him. She didn't even go up into Mar Mar uh, Mary's ear and say, what are you doing? You're totally, totally going against our customs. And what are you doing? You're not supposed to be in here. She didn't even go to Mary. She went straight to Jesus. So, that already tells me she definitely had a connected relationship with Jesus, right? Because what, how does she talk to him? She says this. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Did you get that? Hey, Jesus, Savior of the world, all things created through Him and by and held together by Him, tell her to help me. 
Part of me thinks that's really cool. I'm going to be honest with you. Because she felt that confident and comfortable because I believe she knew who Jesus was. Right? She did. She knew who he was. But there was one problem. She's distracted. She was distracted. Jesus looks at her and says, Martha. And she's probably still, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are even needed, and, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Basically, he's looking at Martha and saying, I'm not doing what you just asked me to do. I'm not. Because what she's chosen is better. Now, over the last millennia, at least the last 15 years of my ministry, there's multiple interpretations of this Scripture. So, I'd like to add one more. Because I really do sense there's something bigger here than just Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha working. Many times we say, hey, you need to sit at Jesus' feet, you need to be listening, and you need to lay down your work, and you need to lay down. And so suddenly then we have whole books written on everybody having a Mary attitude and a Martha attitude, and everybody following what I'm saying right now. We have all these thoughts. But I really, as I got reading the story and looking at this in a broader sense of, of distraction to do the work of Jesus, we, we try too stinking hard to do the work of Jesus. We try too hard, so much so that we fail and we give up, and then we just don't do it at all. How can I share the gospel? I don't have a seminary degree. I don't know enough about the Bible, my favorite one. What if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? Then you say, I don't know. But the Lord promises to give you an answer because He is the answer, right? Oh, I'll just cut to the chase here. I don't think so much the issue was Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha working as much as where their heart was in the midst of it. Quite honestly, what we're seeing with Mary is this. Mary is, exp- is living. Mary is living from a place of peace and rest. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? At that moment, nothing will shake her because she knows that God is who He says He is. She knows that He has done what He said He has done, and she knows that she is who He says she is. How do you know that, Pastor? Because she's completely thrown aside Jewish custom and doing what? Sitting at His feet. She didn't care what culture thought. She didn't care what society thought. Why? And it wasn't even a, I don't care. It was, what I care about is what my Jesus says about me. And so she just entered therein, and her immediate response was to do what? I'm at rest, and hey, here's the Prince of Peace. Here is my rest. I just want to sit at His feet. Plop. Now, can I ask you guys a question? Should Martha have been Mary? Should she have acted just like Mary? She
she's not Mary. She's who? <laughs> Hello? See, we spend a lot of time comparing people, don't we? If you were just more like Mary, could you imagine being Jesus' siblings? If you were just more like Jesus one day. Could you imagine that? We are not here to compare Mary with Martha. Do you hear me? Nor am I here to compare Danny with Aaron. We're not. What we're here is what we're looking at is this. Mary responded to the presence of God Almighty. Why? Because she was living from a place of... Why? Because she was living from a place of rest and peace. She knew who she was, and she didn't make any bones about it. And she was at complete peace and rest. Anybody ever been at that point where you are operating from a knowledge of who Jesus is and who He says you are, and whatever's going around you at that moment is really not stirring you in any way, shape, or form? Because you are being dictated by who? the peace and rest within you. Who's hearing that right now? Let, let, you say, what, what are we talking about here? Let me, let me just dive in, then I'll get to the Martha thing at the end. And then Everybody remember the story in Exodus where they're just pretty close to where the promised land, where God's been leading them to, and pretty close. And, and, and so uh, Moses sent out 12 spies to go check out the land. Anybody remember this story? Sent out 12 spies to check out the land, okay? So these 12 guys, they line up, and they're probably some big burly guys, or they're probably some really quick guys, or all I know is they're special forces. We'll just call them that, okay? And he sends these guys out into this land, the land of Canaan. He sent them out, and they go out, and they see these giants, now, they were relatives of what was known as Anak, and Anak, which I'm a, a race, if you will, I believe there was a degree of supernatural race, which I'm talking uh, demonic kind of stuff, but they were giants, they had six fingers on their hands, they were known for that, they were just massive, and uh, these 12 spies, all 12, saw them, and then they come running back to Moses, and what do they say when he says, can we do it? Oh, ten of them said, there's no way we can do it. Now, I just want to remind you, what did God say before they ever went? I'm giving you this place. You hear me? I mean, come on, if somebody get, uh, oh, you know, brings me the keys to a house and says, this is your house. Oh, there's no way I can have, that's my house. Uh, it's yours, your name's on the deed. Oh. There's no way. It's just not possible. Um, your name's on the mailbox. It's just no way. Ten spies refused to believe because they said, those giants make us look like grasshoppers. There's no way we can do this. Even though God said, yes, there was. Then there were two others, Joshua and Caleb, who looked at, that, at those giants and they said, huh can do this. God already said we could. He already said it's ours. Yes, it's ours. You even ask that question, Moses, can we do it? Yes, it's ours. What made those two different from the other ten? I'll tell you what made them different. Joshua and Caleb were living from a place of rest. They had already established that God is who He says He is, 
has done what he says he's done, and that they are who he says they are, walking in rest. Joshua and Caleb, they walked in and said, huh, giants, those are pretty big dudes. Wouldn't want to mess with them myself, but praise be to God, my God will fight for me. He's already done it. How many know that the Lord has already done it in your life? Hello? See, those other ten had not established. They are not living in a place of rest. They might have talked a good game. They might have looked a good game. But when it came down to it, they're not in a place of rest. Their heart's not there. You follow what I'm saying? And so because of that, when your heart is not in a place of rest, you cannot operate in what God's called you to. Glad to keep Pastor Jim awake today. Remember, there's a, just it's fewer people here today. They can all hear. They can, including the pastor. So, <laughs> everybody just straightened up real quick on that one, didn't they? They're like, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> See, that's why you should get praise more often. Then they won't hear the people that are yawning, you know. That's what you got to do. Um, and I also want you to think real quick about Paul and Barnabas. They're sitting in that prison. I don't see them crying, boo-hoo, woe is us. Them suckers are singing hymns. I don't know what the hymn was. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Right? Why? How could they sing, from a play, uh, sing a song of praise and be filled with joy when they're in prison? Many believers, many Christians would be like, oh, God. What have I done for you to do this to me? Where have I failed? Oh, it's all falling apart. It's just crashing. It's terrible. How many know that (laughs) when the Lord walks you through, there's still going to be suffering that happens because it's the world we're in, right? But that suffering does not have to change in your mind who He is. In, in, in silence, are, no, Paul and in, in, in silence are, are, are like, <laughs> God's still God. He is who He says He is. He's done what He said He's done, and I am who He says I am. Praise God Almighty. Well, we know what happened a little bit later. Everything came off. The shackles came off, didn't they? You know what was interesting? You know that name back in the, the story with the 12 spies? Those people, those giants were known as the Anik. They were, and you know what Anik means? Chains. It means chains, bondage. Two of them, of those spies, were free from bondage. Why? Because they came from a place, they were living from a place of what? Peace and rest. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't like Joshua and Caleb were gone, okay, here we go. Let me read. Let me remember everything God's ever said, every message Moses has ever preached. I got to remember it all. Okay, I'm entering in. Oh, oh, there's giants. I better go back this way. I got to remember this so that when I can really get over there. No, they were already living it before they even walked in. 
See, if you got to remind yourself before you get in into, as you're entering an issue, it's not going to work. So why don't, when things are going well, take hold of who He is, live from a place of rest so that when you hit the, the difficult times, it's no big deal. Who's hearing that right now? Come on, but as, as people, this is where our flesh gets us in trouble and why we have to tell flesh to shut up, you're dead, I'm not resuscitating you, is because flesh wants to pull us in when things are going okay, we start to say, well, we'll take it from here. Everybody know that? We'll take it from here, but then something bad happens and what do we do? And when it doesn't actually work out well, we're like, oh God, I came to you and you didn't do anything. Because you needed to be living from a place back here so that when that stuff happens, God's still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Who's hearing this right now? Come on, just take it for a second. Okay, so here's where I'm getting at. I believe Mary, back to Mary and Martha, I believe Mary had taken hold of who the Father is, who God is, who he, what He's done, and who He says she is. I believe he had, she had taken hold of that. And she was giving her some looks. There are men of her culture and society sitting in that room probably giving her some looks. She's like, no, that's no big deal. Those giants, you know. Do you think that David suddenly mustered courage when Goliath stood in front of him? No. If you, you have to remember he killed a lion and a bear before that. And I'm going to tell you what, he had to have been living in continued rest in God before he even killed them. There's no way you step up to Goliath and suddenly try to remember what Pastor Dave said last Sunday. Or what the Sunday school, what Lane taught two weeks ago. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. That's why the Word says, hide it in your what? And come from a place, live from a place of rest. Don't wait and be reactive. Just let Him fill you so that when these things happen, you have rest and peace within you, and then what comes out of you? Rest and peace. And all the other things that are Jesus, right? So what happened to Martha here? Was she not supposed to be working? Was she not supposed to be setting up a meal? Was she not supposed to be doing these things? That's not what this necessarily says. What this says is she was worried and anxious and distracted by all those things. Had she walked into the kitchen already living with a heart of rest and peace in God Almighty... How would this story been different? She might not have gone over and sat down next to Mary, crisscross applesauce, and listened. She might not have. She might have kept serving. But instead of serving an attitude, <laughs> what would she be serving? Love. Joy. Peace. Oh, come on, you know there are times we get asked to do something and we feel joyfully a part of what, and we feel like the Lord's called us to do it, and then we get in there and then suddenly, 
we get distracted by the stuff, and we start focusing in on who? Self. We start doing CPR on the flesh. Oh, there's something not right here. Other people should be helping me here. God, instead of walking this out with joy and peace, Paul said, make the most of every opportunity for you in whatever you are opportunity. And allow the Lord to work through you in whatever you are doing. See, the Lord wants us to live at all times in a place of peace and rest. He doesn't want us sitting around holding down the fort till things get bad. Right? Right? Okay, just making sure. Huh? Oh, boy. That was a collective snore just a moment ago there. So, what we have here when it comes to discipleship is this. We've been called to go into all the world making disciples of all men, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. How in the world am I going to do that? Don't they know I'm a shy person? Don't they know that I, I get tongue-tied when I talk? Doesn't he know that there's no way I don't even really have much education? I just became a Christian last week. How am I supposed to do this? You know what the Lord says? Throw, stop being encumbered and anxious about all those details and stop being distracted for crying out loud and take hold of the fact of who I am and who I am in you that rest may fill who you are, and you begin to live at a place of rest. You know, Wednesday night I, I walked in, uh, I got to the hotel, and I'm like, um, ran over, Dawn and Frankie's room was right across from my room, so threw all in, so I'm Finn, they'd already been there for a good number of hours, been to service, they'd been back. So I knock on the door, I go in, so I can go over with them, talk about conference coming up and things like that, and any questions they had. And so, I'm in there with him for about an hour, and then I, as I walk out, I reach in my pocket to get my key, and guess what? In my attempts to run in real fast and get everything out, guess what I left in the, my hotel room? My keys. So, I just laughed, and I said, well, I'll go downstairs and get a key. So, I get down there, and there's a man at this counter here, uh, at the counter talking with the lady. There's two others, obviously, going to the conference that are waiting to check in, and here I am. And she looked over at me. She said, now, how can I help you? And I said, well, I've been here one hour and already locked my keys in my room. So, we all had a good laugh for a moment, and so she finished. And, but, but, and what I said was, I said, but God is good, and here I am. <laughs> I just threw my hands. Well, the two over here, they, they laughed, and they said, amen, amen. And the guy over here that was at the counter just laughed, and he said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he walked over to me after the fact, and we got talking, and came up that I was a pastor, and uh, then he looked at me, well, I want you to know that my name is Lucifer. And I said, well, that's nice, but my God's bigger. And he laughed too, and I laughed, and we had a good time. He said, pastor, can I talk with you? worry. She's got her cell phone. She's occupied. So we sat down for about 20 minutes. He said, my wife's out in the car. Don't worry. She's got her cell phone. She's occupied. Not this wife, his wife. And for about 20 minutes, I was able to pour into him love, grace, and mercy. He said, I, I really thought I'd give my heart to the Lord, but I have failed, and I have failed, and I have failed, and I have failed, and I just don't even know how I can do this anymore. Not because I don't want to, I just don't know how to do it. And I said, well, you just said it because you've been trying to do it when he's already done it. 
And I just loved on him for a while, and then he suddenly, and, and the lady at, <laughs> the lady behind the counter, she was, she was a believer too, and she got in, and some people trying to check in, she's over, that's right, you listen to him, you listen to him, amen, amen, listen to him. I'm like, we are having church in the Drury Inn check-in counter, man. It was good, it was good. And then he suddenly jumped up, he jumped up, he said, I better get out, my wife's going to get me. And uh, I said, well, I said, I'm standing with you. And he said, I'm going to, he said, I want to take in what you're saying. I said, well, just chew on it. And I prayed that uh, I'd have another opportunity, but I didn't, okay? That's not the point. If I were not in a place of rest, I would have tried to come up with 56,000 good ways to get him to come to know Jesus and would have failed every turn. But I love how the Lord set me up, set him up, made me leave my two keys in the room, right? And just sat down. Another brother, the one that was standing at the counter said, hey, can I call you tomorrow? I said, sure. We ended up spending a chunk of the, the, uh, the conference together because he just wanted to pour his heart out on what's going on in his life, what's happened. Sharon's testimony is love for the Lord, but the further along, the more the angst and the brokenness was coming out, and I just had opportunity to just love on him and pour into him. I thought, Lord, that's so nice. I left my two keys in the room because you just knew what you wanted to do. Thank you that I was able to operate out of that, and I didn't have to make myself come up with the words or come up with the thing or, what did I preach three weeks ago? I can't remember. You know, no, Lord, you're right here. You just let it flow out. Had Martha done that, serving dinner would have been a whole lot different. Amen? It would have been a whole lot different. How many know here today that the Lord's got some amazing things that He has already laid out before you, but you're distracted and anxious and encumbered, good old King James word, by many things? And He said, at rest. Come to me, me in you at rest. Come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you. Come to me, ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest. Hebrews is very clear at the end. I'm going to ask Tracy to come on up here. Hebrews is very clear. It says, look, the children of Israel, they didn't get in to the promised land not because I didn't want them there. They didn't get in. They didn't get into rest, not because I didn't want them to have rest. They didn't get in there because of their unbelief. They thought they had to take care of it. In fact, in many ways, they thought they could take care of it better than I could. And on into Hebrews 4, it says, strive to get into rest. Strive. What's the striving? I thought Jesus did it all. He did. So, get your eyes on Him and get your eyes off of the details around you. Start living from a place of rest. Start living from a place of peace. Tracy, can you come up and share just a little bit about the weekend? Okay. So, um, we had a great four days, but it was also really hard. I'll just be very honest. Um, at one point, one of the girls said to me, Tracy, this is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. <laughs> and we were trying to... Um, round up five kids under the age of 10 and get them in bed. <laughs> That's when she said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, so I, I shared with you guys, you know, we had Bible school week, 
And several of the middle school kids, I would say probably six or seven of them, helped me in the back every, every night prepping meals and serving them. And so they were kind of tired, too. I, on Thursday or Friday, it was, I said to one of them, you guys okay? And they're like, we're really tired. <laughs> and Bible school week can kind of just do that to you. Anyhow, um, and then most of them, they were here by 6 o'clock on Saturday morning. And we were on the road, and it took us <coughs> nine and a half hours to get up there because of several bathroom breaks. <laughs> Never take middle schoolers on a, <laughs> a road trip. But it took a long, it took a while to get up there. And we rolled into my parents' house at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, quickly ate a meal that they already had ready for us. And then we were on the road again by 5 to head out to the church that we were going to be serving at that night. And by 5.30, these kids were working their tails off, getting ready for these campers to come um, for us to host them that night. And then from about 5.30 till uh, 7.30 the next morning, the kids were just working nonstop. I think they got about four or five hours of sleep that night. They fell asleep before most of the kids went to bed, and Christy and I kind of <laughs> manned everything. But um, it, was, it was a tough trip. We were working with some inner-city kids, um, and the, the leader, Kim, up there at the church said to us, listen, you've got to be firm and you've got to be tough. They're not kids that are saved. They're kids at this church, and... These kids are going to listen, you know, because they're not kids that are saved. They're kids that this church is reaching out to, and then they're sending them to a church camp for a week. But she said, I'm able to be really firm on them because I don't have a relationship, or because I have a relationship with them. Well, we didn't have a relationship with them. <laughs> so it was not, it was not easy um, to, like, just to bring order to the cast. And it was 31 of us, 31 of the kids. So, um, you know, our kids were awesome because um, the, there, was, there was little kids that were elementary age, then there was some middle schools, then there was high school. Well, the high school kids, and the girls especially, didn't really want anything to do with us at all. We didn't have relationship with them. The kids that I brought up were eighth grade and younger, so they don't want to be told what to do by younger kids. And so we just said to our kids, listen, you are just here to serve them, and you're here to love them. And if they just spit in your face and they don't like what you have to say, you just continue loving them. And our kids did that. And it was not easy for them. They were cussed at. They were, they were told we're going to steal your stuff. They were, you know, all kinds of things. And we just kept saying to the kids, listen, you are here to love. You are not here to change their behavior or correct them. You're here to just love them. Okay, you guys are rude. You know, we want you guys. We're teaching you guys to be rude and established in the love of God. This is what every kid that that's our these doors needs to be as well. And they are not yet. So we can't expect that they're going to act that way. That's our prayer for them. And so before we even got up there, we were given the names of all the kids and there was 31 kids. There was 15 of us. So each of us took two names. And then one of the kids said, I'd like to do the extra one. She took three names and we just asked God how what he would want us to write to these kids. So before we even got up there, we all just wrote notes to these kids as led by the Lord, as best as our kids understand. You know, we're teaching them these things. They're, they're, they're starting to get it. And we just said, you know what, we're just going to encourage these kids with whatever God brings to your mind, you know. So it was kind of cool because some of the kids wrote notes and then ended up meeting those kids, and there was a connection there that was made, as well as the words of life that they were able to speak into those kids that we just sent off through these notes to the kids when they got to camp. But um, so while we, while we were there, the little kids in our group, um, we were supposed to sit down with them, and we were supposed to do these scenarios for camp that had happened last year, like 
some of the kids had stolen money, some just threw tantrums and different things. So we were supposed to go through these scenarios, and this is the first time they were going to try doing these with these kids. I could not get the kids in my room to sit down long enough to even look at these scenarios. <laughs> and, and so our kids, the Virginia kids, are holding some, and they'd put them down, and they'd run out the door. And we'd go, and our kids are tired. They've been up since it was like 11.30, and nobody was looking like they were ready for bed. <laughs> and our kids are tired. They've been up since, you know, 6 o'clock that morning. And they just continue to persevere um, in that. And, um, but I said to the kids, listen, we've got to ask the Lord what to do because this scenario thing is not working. We're not getting these kids to sit down. You guys, like, listen for what the Lord is saying on how to just meet the needs of these kids. And again, our, our kids, the Virginia kids, they don't get that completely, but we need to continue teaching them what that looks like to be led by the Spirit when you're ministering to others because in and of ourselves, we have nothing to offer these kids. So um, it ended up like a couple of kids took the kids to the library that was at the church, and they got books, and they started reading with the kids. A couple of them just turned on flashlights, you know, and they were just talking to them. And our, our kids just did things to just love them. That was it. We weren't changing behaviors. We were just loving them. Um, the middle school, Chrissy had the middle school kids, and then they had one of their leaders working with the high schoolers. But the middle school group um, just said right out to our kids, we are going to steal your money, and we are going to sneak out the windows. <laughs> And so Chrissy <laughs> was up to 1 o'clock. At some point in time, I think it was the high school group, vandalized the whole bathroom and just put soap all over everything. And we had a choice as to how we were going to respond to that because their lead, those leaders uh, that, you know, have the relationship with these kids weren't there. The reason that we came was to give those leaders an opportunity to go home and get rest before they spend a whole entire week of camp with the kids. And so they weren't there. So we had a choice as to how we were going to respond, and we just chose to say, well, hey, whoever did this, thanks for helping us out. we got to clean the bathroom in the morning, so now it's all soapy and ready to go. We're just going to clean it up. Well, it totally broke the ice with the middle schoolers, who, you know, the middle school city kids who were just kind of laughing with us then, you know, about our response instead of who did this, da -da -da -da, you know, and just responding a little bit differently. Well, then the kids from the city and some of our Virginia kids decided to work together and clean that up on their own at one o'clock in the morning, you know? So like, were there things where we saw like, oh, everybody got saved and da -da -da? no, but there was walls that were coming down just with, through things that the enemy sought to use to just steal, kill, and destroy the, the, the opportunity for our kids and for the, for the campers as well. So, um, so on Sunday, so we, we finished up, we, um, spent the night, Saturday night with the kids. We got up at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning, and we made breakfast for the kids. You know what? And, and some said thank you, and a lot didn't. And we just said to our kids, hey, you know what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> and so we're just going to continue to serve regardless of whether someone says thank you or not. You know, it, it just doesn't matter. We're here to love. So she went to the worship service, which some of us and we um, cleaned up the church and everything. We actually went to the worship service, which some of our kids fell asleep. They felt really bad. I said, I don't think anybody's judging you. You know, <laughs> We're here spending the night because not many people from their church wanted to. I don't think anybody's judging you. And then we went back to my parents' house afterwards for lunch, and then the kids just got to, I mean, they were, everybody took a nap. They were just exhausted. But that night we met for you know, just a devotion time where I'd bring it back around. And um, 
I, the Lord just brought to mind to share with our kids, Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus was um, baptized, where John came to baptize him. And John had said, you know, I'm going to baptize you with water, but there's one coming who is, and the, and the Passion Translation said, is going to submerge you into full union with the Holy Spirit and raging fire. That's how John said it in the Passion Translation. And so we were talking about, we are sharing with the kids, and I just asked the question, how many of you felt completely helpless on Saturday night? And they're all like, <laughs> you know, we just, there was, we could not do a thing, you know. And so I just began to share with the kids, listen, Jesus set an example for us. And he said to John, John, I know you don't think it's right that you baptize me, but you have to do this because this is, the, this is what God has for us, you know. This is what he desires. And Jesus always sets the example for what he is calling us to do. And so he's baptized by John, and then the Spirit of God, you know, rests upon him. And then here we are now to do the same privilege, the same spirit of God resting upon us, and the fact that we need that in order to do any sort of ministry. It's that place of rest that Dave is just talking about, where we know who we are, we know the spirit of God, we know the power of God that lives inside of us, we know the love, and we know it for ourselves so that we can give it away. So it was an awesome opportunity to share that with our middle schoolers, whether they got a hold of it or not, you know, because there's lots of adults that don't get it. I know I'm just starting to get it. But to share that with them, to say, listen, you know what, there is more than just you, you know, praying a prayer so you can go to heaven. There is, there is the spirit of God that wants to take up residence in you, and he wants to be let loose through you. And so there is this listening and this empowerment for ministering to others that we all need. And so it was just awesome. And I think, you know, some of the kids got it. Others were like, ah not so sure what you're saying, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, we're planting seeds because our goal within the middle school ministry right now is that the kids become dependent upon the spirit of God that lives in them when they've accepted Christ, when they have received the spirit, and then that they also become dependent upon the word of God, not dependent upon us as their youth leaders because we want them to move out from here when, they, when they're going off to college, whatever, and they are fully equipped to be disciples and make disciples. And um, so there's just constant opportunity to be sharing with them, and we set free and living in them. That lives in them and just wants to be, like, for them to be set free and living in them. Um, so it was just, thank you for your prayers. It was, it, and so on the way home, we said to the kids, and we just had many, many opportunities. You know, when you're in a van together for 19 and a half hours, it took longer to come home. <laughs> You know, and we really were only gone for four days. You know, we spent a lot of time in the van together. But I, I, I can't remember if I shared with you guys or not. The, the, really, the only rule I had is that they could not bring their cell phones. And they didn't. And several of the kids said, we have loved not having our cell phones because it caused them to talk to one another. And we talked to them. And we had conversations. And we listened to praise music. And it was just, it was a great time. And so there was lots of great conversations with individual kids at different times of our kids to just pour into them. And, you know, you don't always see the fruit right away, as, you know, even in your own kids' lives when you have your own children. But we know it's coming just by faith. Um, let me say something else. Mm, that was, I don't know, what time? Where was I? I am, I do have a tired brain. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you so much for your prayers because it was just, it was an awesome time. I know what I was going to share. On the way home, um, 
the kids started saying, Tracy, we want to do this again. And so when we were up there, you know, we did the time with the campers, but then we also spent a day at Seabreeze, this amusement park, like an afternoon. And I said, well, what are you wanting to do again? Like, are you wanting to do Seabreeze? <laughs> are you wanting to do, you know, the mission trip with the campers? And they said, no, we want to do the time with the campers again. And, and they said, you know, we would know what to expect more. We went in totally blind. And also from their end up in New York, they had never had a group come in to try to work, you know, minister to the kids and just be there. So it was kind of this new thing on both ends, which made it a little bit tougher. But God was so good and so faithful. And um, our kids are like, yes, yeah, we want to go back and we want to do that again. And we just want to look for, you know, even be, they were even thinking about ways to maybe build relationship with the kids before we get there or something, you know, some other things that we could be doing. So the wheels were already turning for them of how could we really just minister to these kids and make the most of that time um, being there. So thank you so much for your prayers. It was a great, a great, great trip, great time. It was awesome to hear that, and, and I'm just excited about it. So again, when we live from a place of rest, and then we encounter these kind of things, I will say discipleship is messy, because people make it messy, right? And we're part of people, aren't we? I really feel like I want to share this one last 10-second thing in a new set of knives. Steel or thunder, but I'm going to plagiarize her. She got a new set of knives from Pam Weeks, who felt sorry for us, I guess. We've had the same knives for many years. I think we bought them in the clearance bin of a clearinghouse next to the dump. No, I'm just, I don't know. I just use them. I figured it was sawing was all part of cutting. I never thought of it. She's never thought of it. But other people who have used the knives are like, what in the world is this? Then Tracy gets these new knives and was cutting a melon the other day. And she put the melon down here and realized that when she set the knife down, it was suddenly through the melon. She's like, that was different. Those dull knives are us not living in a place of rest. Those dull knives are us trying to do what God calls us to do while not living in a place of rest. It's annoying, and it's frustrating. But as we live in that place of rest, it sharpens us, and then what happens to the work that God has given us? It just flows, doesn't it? Amen? Lord, I just want to thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. I want to thank You right now for... Uh, the lives that were touched on that trip. I want to thank you, Lord, for the lives here today that you want to speak to. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving each one of us. I want to thank you, Lord. Jesus, I want to thank you for having, showing us what it was to live in a place of rest. For crying out loud, you slept through storms that were going on in the boats. The disciples had to wake you up. And you're saying, look, what's the problem? Why didn't you, why are you so lacking faith? Just be at a place of rest. Just like me. Mm. I need to say this to somebody right now. The Lord just told me to say this to somebody. Jesus is saying, look, you're going to be able to weather the storm when you can sleep through it. You're going to get through the trial and the tribulation when you can sleep through it. And as you take hold 
and begin living at a place of rest and peace, what He has declared, those storms aren't going to really do a whole lot. Lord, I want to thank You right now in Jesus' name for what You have called each and every one of us to. You've called us to be disciples. You've called us to go out into all the world making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Lord, You've called us to that, but You've also called us, Lord, to be disciples. And as we walk, able to pour into us, Father, in ministry, Lord, here we are. And as we walk Your life in us, living in a place of rest, we just thank You in Jesus' name that we're, we are able to operate in a much different way when we're not about ourselves, but all about You. So, Lord, I want to thank You for every gifting in this place. I want to thank You for the evangelists in this place. I want to thank You for the teachers in this place. I want to thank You, Lord, for gifts of healing in this place and gifts of knowledge uh, in this place. I want to thank You, Lord, for those who are shepherds and, 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 and apostles and, 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 and all sorts, Lord. I want to thank You for every gift in this place, and I want to thank You, Lord, that as we live from a place of rest at all times, You can flow through those giftings in every situation regardless of what comes along. I thank You that I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus, You live in me. We give You praise in Jesus' name. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. We love You, and we praise You. We praise You in Jesus' holy name. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are, and all I want you to do is if you've heard anything today, if you've taken hold of anything today, Lord, I just surrender my, um, my you are, I surrender me. And I want to take hold of what you, who you are, what you have done, and what it is you say about me. I take hold of it right now. I believe that in the good, and I'm going to believe that in the bad. I believe that when things are going well, and I'm going to believe that when things are troublesome. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. You are good. You are good. And we love You in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen.